0: Well, there's a British woman who claims that she can predict the future using asparagus. Did you guys see this story? Her name's Jemima Packington, and she's the world's only known asparamancer, which I think is the most amazing word ever. Uh, so what she does is she throws the asparagus up into the air, she sees the way it falls, and then she tells people what is about to happen. Now friends, I've got some good news for you today. You don't have to play with asparagus to find out where is God. Isn't that great news? We don't have to go to some crazy lengths that people do to try to figure things out. And so I want to welcome you today. We're in a series called Grounded. Uh, we are learning how to have a perspective to find God in our midst. My name is Jeremy. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so excited that you're here. Uh, and wherever you're joining us, if you're uh, with me in the room or you're watching or listening online or via a podcast, so glad that you are part of this. And we're asking a question that, that I think every single person asks, uh, even if uh, you are you know, wrestling with God and you're like, I don't know why I'm here, we're glad you're here. But even if you're going, I've been here for like all my life, the question is, where is God? And it's the question we all ask. And, and you might feel like you have the answer to that and then something happens. And then life takes a turn and you go, well, I didn't, I, I didn't see that coming. I don't know why that's happening. And you begin to wrestle with this question. And so we're looking at creation going, how has God revealed himself to us. How can we see God? How can we know God through all creation? And so we began by talking about the sky. And I made the argument that your view of the sky shapes your expectations of God. And then after that we talked about fire and I said the fire reminds us that God is always in motion. And then lastly we talked about sweat uh, and that sweat is the healthy result of wrestling with God. And I encourage you, if you miss any of those, you can go onto YouTube or Facebook and you can catch up to those messages and, and join us there. Today, I wanna to encourage you to get your journals out. We're gonna be in week four of our series. And hopefully you were uh, uh, given a journal at the beginning of this series or, or early on and, and you've been bringing it back with you and keeping this for your own study and also for your time in life group as, as you kinda of bring all these ideas together. Today, uh, we're going to talk about tears. And, uh, and tears is, is an interesting one. And so I, I, I know that as soon as I say that, there's gonna be some of us are like, oh, this isn't for me. Uh, hang with me, it, it's for all of us. And so I wanna encourage you like we've been doing for uh, each week of this series to ask questions, to go deeper with us as we get into some of these ideas. And so the way we've been doing that is, is through a tool called Slido. And we've been inviting you guys to go to Slido, enter the code Grounded, and you can ask a question. Hey, you know, this was brought up in the message. How do I make sense of this? Or how do we go deeper with this? idea. And then on Wednesdays on our Facebook uh, for the church, that I'll, I'll film a video and we'll post that uh, where we get into some of your guys' questions. And this has been so fun because I don't know where these videos are going to go until you guys ask the questions. And, and you can ask a question, you can vote for a question, you can uh, decide which ones we're going to address, and we'd love for you to participate with us like that. Now, this is a, a great follow-up to last week because if you spent last week wrestling with God, there may have been some tears involved. There, there may have been some tears shed this week as you went, okay, last week I did it, and, and now you know I'm experiencing this. And, and so this is a logical part two uh, to the message last week, even though it'll stand on its own as well. And so like I've been doing in this series, I wanna read a poem uh, to get our imaginations going for the, the, the topic of today. And, and this poem is a creative look at tears. It's called Rain by a guy named Shel Silverstein, who's got some fans in the room today. That I opened my eyes and looked up at the rain and it dripped in my head and flowed into my brain. And all that I hear as I lie in my bed is the slishity slosh of the rain in my head. I step very softly, I walk very slow, I can't do a handstand, I might overflow. So pardon the wild, crazy thing I just said, I'm just not the same since there's rain in my head. Let's pray together. Well, God, would you help us to find you as we talk about the rain in our heads, these tears that flow out of us, as we learn to to see you in new ways, to experience you in new ways, would you open our eyes to understand your scriptures, to understand things that maybe we have not yet seen, that we would walk away from today with a new vision of you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to get those out. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. And so if you've got a physical Bible you brought with you today, uh, that's awesome. Get that out. I'm going to give you some time. Uh, We're going to to land here in Jeremiah uh, in a little bit. Uh, And if you've got a Bible app, I encourage you to get that out as well. And you can scroll to Jeremiah chapter 4 and uh, we're gonna be there. But I wanna ask a question as we get into this today. How much do you cry? Because when I talk about tears, you know, uh, we have a variety of responses to that. Some of us, were like, yes, I love crying. Thank you for talking about this. Others of us are like, ugh. A sermon on tears, you know, like gag me. So here's the deal, <laughs> wherever you're at, on that spectrum, we have something to learn. And so it's not like this is only for the people that really enjoy crying, uh, this is for all of us. Now here's what I'll tell you. I was not ever wired as a crier. Now, I was not you know, raised, that, like that was something I, I did a lot. I've never been that the guy that cried a lot. It's just not the way I'm wired. But here's what I'll tell you. Uh, there's some interesting journey that Jesus is taking me on where the older I get, the more I cry. And I don't know if that's just age. I don't know if that's just life. I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, uh, but I I just am noticing that I'm crying a lot more than I ever used to when I was younger. To the point we had a funny moment where uh, one of my first sermons here, I shared a story that was uh, a a very raw story of something that God had taught me in my life. And and I had shared that story uh, in, in a variety of different ways previously. And for whatever reason, the first time I shared it here was on a Thursday. I began to cry as I shared the story. I went home that day and I told my wife, Michelle, I said, hey, you, you won't believe this. Um, I cried in the sermon today. And she's like, you did what? I'm like, I know, right? That's crazy. And I said, it's just a fluke thing. Maybe I'm just having an off day. I don't know, I don't know why I was crying. And so then I get to Sunday and I, I do the message three more times and I cried every single sermon that I, I told this story. And I had never done that. I had told this story before and never cried telling it. And so I'm like, what is happening to me? But I had people coming up to me, and they're like, oh, are you one of those crying preachers? (laughs) I'm like, I have never been accused of that before. You know, like that's, that's strange. But, but I didn't, I mean, like you hadn't heard a ton of sermons yet. And so people were like, yeah, I think he cries a lot, you know, when he, when he talks. And, and someone came up to Michelle and goes, oh, does he do that all the time? Does he just, you know, cry during sermons? And Michelle's like, that's the first time I've seen him cry while he preached. And they're like, wait, what? And she's like, I've never seen it. Like, I don't know what's happening to him either. You know what I mean? So I'm on some journey right now, just to be honest with you. Like, God is, is doing something. But by contrast, my wife, she can cry at anything. I mean, she is very in tune with her tear ducts, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, it can be something on TV. Uh, you know, just, I mean, it just doesn't take much. And all of a sudden, I look over, and I'm like, you're crying, aren't you, right now? And she's like, no, no. You know, it's like, you're, you're crying. You know, it just doesn't take much. And I don't know where you're at on that spectrum. Now, I would say just all of us are somewhere, and you might be on one end of, of the other, or maybe you're kind of in the middle, or maybe you're on a journey like me, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit different than I used to be. But we all have different reactions to this. And so that's what makes this conversation a little bit tricky, is to figure out where we're all beginning in this conversation. Now, if you're a parent and you're raising kids, you also know that kids cry at everything. It doesn't even matter what you're talking about. Kids will find a way to cry about it. And there's actually a lot of parents online that just have to laugh about this cuz there's no other, you know, nothing else to do about it. And so I want to share a few of my favorite reasons why parents made their kids cry. There's this one. I broke this cheese in half. <laughs> what? Like I don't I don't get it. Or this one. He doesn't want to go even though we repeatedly told him, we're not going anywhere. (laughs) Why are you crying? What's what's happening right now? Or this one, we said she couldn't have more bacon. (laughs) Now let's be honest, some of us have cried for the same exact reason, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, bacon, that's sad. But it just, you know, kids are like, oh, that's really easy. So I don't know where you're at. And, and even as I was working on this sermon, I was like, what am I asking you guys to do? It's like my goal that we would all cry more, you know? I was like, that's kind of a weird goal. And so I was having to figure out, like, what is it that I'm actually asking? And I, I thought about a clip from uh, the, uh, this, uh, the show, The Office, if you've ever seen that. And there's an episode where Michael Scott is trying to get his staff to cry more and it doesn't go well. And so as I thought about, I don't want that to be this conversation. So I thought, let's show that so we know what we're not gonna do and then we'll have our own conversations. Check this out. I'm going to throw you this ball. When you catch the ball, I want you to say the name of a person, very important to you, somebody really special who died. And then I want you to say how they died and you may cry if you like, that is encouraged. Let me just start. Let me show you how this works. (laughs) I catch the ball. I lost Ed Truck, and it feels like somebody took my heart and dropped it into a bucket of boiling tears. And at the same time, somebody else is hitting my soul with a frozen sledgehammer. And then a third guy walks in and starts punching me in the grief bone. And I am crying, and nobody can hear me. Because I am terribly, terribly, terribly alone. So I'm gonna toss you a ball. No, right? Like, it's a little bit weird when you just ask people to cry. So I'm not gonna ask you to cry. uh, But I do want us to search the scriptures today and figure out what's going on with tears and can we experience Jesus in new ways in this conversation. Now, if you're writing things down, here's what I encourage you to write down. Tears can clear our vision to see God. And so as we're in a series going, where is God? We should be aware that there is power in tears, that tears are a tool we can use to see God in some fresh ways. Now, this is literally true and spiritually true. It's literally true that tears can clear your vision because they clear out debris. They can make your eyes more sensitive to let light in. Uh, There's something that's, that's happening there, but I think it's equally true spiritually. Now, if I were to ask, uh, collectively, maybe as a culture or as a church, do we cry too much or do we cry too little? What what would you, you know, which one of those would you choose? I I don't know if you would go to one of those extremes, but I would suggest if we were guilty of either one of those, it would be we don't cry enough. We cry too little. Uh, And so I don't think that, you know, we're just like, always crying about everything and we, we should just you know move on. But, but there, there's definitely those moments where you're like, yeah, we, we kind of don't know how to talk about this. We don't feel comfortable with this. We are quickly moving on to something else. I remember a book I read years ago and I uh, have, have not forgotten part of this book. And it was called Tea with Hezbollah. And it was a couple Christian guys, uh, and I've uh, since become friends with Carl, uh, but it was a couple Christian guys who decided, uh, does Jesus make sense to like some of the, the craziest situations in life? And so they go across the, the planet and they go have conversations with terrorists and they start talking about Jesus. And they're trying to figure out, does Jesus make sense even in those conversations? And so they put themselves in some crazy situations where you're like, I, I don't know how you set this up. I don't know why you set this up. But they're, they're talking about their faith and, you know, seeing if Jesus uh, can, can transcend that. And and yet one of the things that they ask every single person they meet with in this book, and it, it just stood out to me. The question is this, when was the last time you cried? I thought, you're asking a terrorist when the last time they cried was? You know, and I remember reading the book, I'm like, that's a bold question to ask these guys. But when they recorded their responses, I was blown away. Because suddenly all the barriers break down, and you realize we're all human we all have emotions, we all have these experiences. Now we choose to respond to those in different ways. But this one question was so powerful to get to a deeper level, to get to a deeper conversation. And I've never forgotten that, that tears are a universal expression of our humanity. And it doesn't matter what culture you're in, it doesn't matter what belief system you have, it doesn't matter how you have made sense of your life, that tears unite us together. Now, we can go and we can look to Jesus as an example and go, okay, did Jesus cry? And the answer is yes. We have a few different examples of this. And, and it's, it's worth noting how and why Jesus cried. Let me show you one story. This is involving uh, his, his friend Lazarus who has died, and Jesus is going to cry about this. And, and if you ever grew up in Sunday school and you like to memorize verses, you probably memorized part of this passage as you guys are laughing, because it's one of the shortest verses of the Bible. So this is inside of this passage. John 11, verse 33. said, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is Lazarus' sister, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, uh, that, you know, by story, like, okay, Jesus chose to cry with them. That You know, that's, that's cool by itself that, number one, he, he did cry, so it wasn't, you know, wasn't you know, too much for Jesus. But, number two, he's joining them. She's weeping, they're weeping, and it leads him to weep. But what's fascinating is if you know the story. See, so if you know the story, what you know is that they sent for Jesus with enough time for Jesus to get there and save Lazarus from dying. He could have prevented this. And so when Jesus comes and he joins them, uh, you might think at first like, oh, this is, a, this is like a, a cry of, of remorse, that he's sad he didn't help them, that he's sad he couldn't have been there. But if you keep reading, you know that's not the explanation because in just a few moments, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus back to life. Now, you and I can understand crying with someone, you know, who has lost a family member or if you have been that person who's lost someone close to you, you know the tears that come with that. That's a very natural reason why most of us have experienced crying. But let me ask you this. Think about someone that you may have cried over. Would you have cried the same if you knew you could immediately bring them back to life? Probably not. It would have changed the dynamics of that moment if you're like, Well, hold on a second, I can just bring you back, and and then it's like this didn't happen. Jesus knows, he's about to bring Lazarus back to life, and yet he joins them in weeping. This speaks volumes to us about the kind of God we follow. This is who Jesus is, there's something bigger at play. Now, if you look throughout Scripture and you go, where do we see tears represented in the, the, in the whole story? So in the, the entire narrative of Scripture, where do we see a lot of tears? And I would suggest one of the dominant things that you see is something called lament. Now, a lament is not a word we use a lot. It's kind of become a church term. Uh, and even in church circles, I don't get asked about this a lot. People don't talk about this a lot. I think this is one of the more neglected areas of our faith. And so in case you're like, what is a lament? Here's the definition. To feel, show, or express grief, sorrow, or regret, to mourn deeply. That's a lament, right? Another kind of working definition by Esther Fleece is this. Lament is an expression of grief that God meets us in. Now, this is something, again, a lot of us don't spend much time with, but I'd like to suggest today that there's something here we can learn from. There's usually two types of laments. One type is uh, aimed at God directly. God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you prevent this? Why are you not doing more about this? There's a second kind of lament, a lament about the way things are. Why is this happening? Why is this the way the world is? And you see both of those laments represented in scripture. Now, Jesus lamented, and let me show you an example of this. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus offers a lament. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, and he saw the city, he wept over it, and he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. You ever gone to a city and wept over it? It's a lament. He goes to Jerusalem and he's crying about the condition of the people, going, I wish this were different. And he weeps over it. And it teaches us something about Jesus and teaches us what a lament looks like. Now, if you're a real practical person and you're not real big on tears, you might be quick to go, what good does this do? Like, why would you spend any time doing this? If God has decided not to do something or if God has decided to do something, Deal with it, accept it, move on. Why would you spend any time on this? Or a more popular version would be, there's no use crying over spilled milk. Move on, why would you spend any time? But here's what I would tell you. Spiritually, there is use in crying over spilled milk if that spilled milk process allows you to get closer to Jesus. Now again, we're very practical, and I'm a very practical person. I wanna move past this and go, what's the resolution? What do I need to do? How do I just skip past all of this? And yet, as you read in the scriptures, you find lots of laments are unresolved. In fact, if you look in the book of Psalms, there's about 73 lament Psalms, which they would categorize. That Psalm is primarily about a lament. Of the 73, 44 of them are unresolved. There is no action, there is no, and then therefore here's what we're gonna do. It just sits in that moment. It sits in that space and goes, this is not the way it should be. And the biblical writers felt like there was room for this with God. Now I was thinking, why don't more of us do this? Why, why don't we sit in that space? Why don't we, you know, why, why are we so quick to move on? And then I realized that's because we have an outlet that a lot of people before us didn't have so when we feel those things that might be uh, lamentable things instead of doing that what we do is i'm going to go to social media i'm going to post about this and we do all that process Publicly in front of everybody else. So, I'm going to log into Facebook, I'm going to post these things that I'm bothered by, and I will share them with the world. I'm going to log on to Instagram or to Twitter, and I will share these things that are bothering me, and the whole world will get to read it. And we create all kinds of drama and issues and infighting with each other over things that we spread online. Now, I've been working on a little formula to solve this, okay? So, as your pastor, here's one of the things I'm gonna encourage you to do that I think we could heal a lot of division in the church if we would all do this. You ready? Don't vent online what you haven't shared with God first. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't go online. Ho oh, ho, let me tell you what I'm feeling today. No. If you have not spent time with Jesus to pour your heart out, to go, this is what I'm feeling, you don't get to go share it online with the world. If we followed this rule, whoo, church, we would have a different experience. God would be able to move in our hearts in a radically different way. And yet, we're just not comfortable. We want to move right on and go, I want to do something with what I feel. And there's certainly a place for that but after you have spent time wrestling with that, with God. Now, you might be going, okay, there's a lot I wanna complain to God about. There's a difference between lamenting and complaining. They might look similar at first, uh, but let me illustrate the difference for you. Here's a complaint, okay, ready? This is a complaint. The Patriots are in the Super Bowl again. (laughs) Anybody else complaining about that recently? That's a complaint, it's not a lament. Here's a lament, and notice how different this is. Here's a lament. Why do we keep reading news headlines about people killing people? See the difference? That's a lament, it's not a complaint, it's a lament. You might go, okay, well, what's the difference? How do I know the difference? Here's how I would define it. A lament draws you closer to God, a complaint draws you deeper into yourself. A lament is that thing you express and God meets you in, as Esther Fleece had said. God meets you in that. A complaint, God's not meeting you in it because you don't need God. You are just doubling down on your own opinion on something. Yeah, this is what I'm really bothered about. There's a huge difference. Now, there's an irony in lamenting as well because When you lament, one of the things you're doing is you're saying, God, where are you? God, why is this this way? And it feels as if in that lament, God is super distant, that he is so far away, you can't see him, you you don't know what God is doing. But ironically, God often meets you in the lament. And so some of the moments you can feel closest to God is primarily when you think God is furthest away. And this is the power of a lament to go, God, I don't know what's going on. And in the process, in those tears, God shows up and you see God in a new way. Now let me ask you this question. As we look at a lament, we look at a complaint. I want you to think about the ratio in your own life. How many complaints do you have for every lament you have? Is it like 10 complaints for one lament? 100 complaints for one lament? Is it worse than that? What should the ratio be? Shouldn't we spend more time lamenting where God can meet us in that moment than we do complaining. And yet most of us, if we're honest, would say, no, we spend far more time complaining than we do lamenting. Now, as we talk about this, and maybe you're going, okay, I wanna I want get better at this. I wanna figure out how to do this more. It's not something that I don't think most of us would say is the strength of ours. I wanna give you a great example to consider. Uh, as someone that we find in scripture, that, that I would say this is a, a model uh, lamenter. It's a guy named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is a prophet. He's written a couple books. And, uh, and, and he's known as the weeping prophet, which you know the guy's in touch with his tears if that's your nickname, okay? The weeping prophet prophet Uh, jeremiah writes a book in the bible called lamentations which is a book of laments if you've never connected that it's just a whole lament session that jeremiah has and he wrote it down and and sometimes jeremiah is talking directly to god and sometimes he's just talking about the way things are but in jeremiah's life what he witnesses is the fall of jerusalem to the babylonians And so he is grieving this. He is going, God, where are you? Why is this happening? See, they had put all their hope in Jerusalem and what would happen, and then they watched Babylon come in and just eradicate it. And so they're dealing with the emotions of that, and Jeremiah models how you lament something like that. Now, let me give you an example from the book of Lamentations to show you how seriously Jeremiah takes this. Lamentations chapter two, verse eight. The Lord determined to tear down the wall around Daughter Zion. He stretched out a measuring line and did not withhold his hand from destroying. He made ramparts and walls lament. Together they wasted away. I mean, notice this is like hyperbole to the, the max. Not only are we lamenting, the walls are lamenting. What does that look like for walls to lament, right? But he's just saying, everything in the city is lamenting this reality. This was not like a little thing that Jeremiah did. He was speaking on behalf of all that he could to go, every part of us is lamenting what is happening before us. Now, if you're with me in Jeremiah chapter four, I'm gonna show you three different passages in the book of Jeremiah, and we'll jump around here a little bit. Uh, I wanna show you how he taught them how to lament. Okay, so Jeremiah is like, you know, expert level, lamenter. How did he teach the Israelites? And what can we learn from this today? And what you'll realize is this is going to sound crazy to us. And we'd go, we go, don't, we don't handle things like that. But I just want you to consider that maybe we're missing something here. Maybe there is a part of our spirituality that we have glossed over that could help us to experience God in new ways. So begin reading in Jeremiah chapter 4 and uh, verse 7. He says, a lion has come out of his lair. A destroyer of nations has set out. He has left his place to lay waste your land. Your towns will lie in ruins without inhabitant. So put on sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned away from us. Notice the instructions. Put on sackcloth, lament and wail put on sackcloth was a way of outwardly showing things are not okay. I'm in a a season of grieving. We don't often know how to do this today. In fact, you know, I love greeting, you know, in between services. And, and there's a pressure when people are like, hey, how are you doing? How you doing? Good, 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 good. Very rarely does anyone like, "Uh, not good. You know, because we just have this pressure of, I'm good. Everything's great. My life is amazing. And you know on the inside, I'm falling apart. Things are hard. But we have to put up this perception. And it's not just for Christians. We all do this. We have this, this pressure. And what he's saying is, don't do it. Let everybody know, I'm not doing well. I'm struggling. I'm lamenting right now. I changed my clothes. So you would see that I'm not okay. That's why you would wear sackcloth. That's a noticeable outward expression of I am lamenting this. And so not just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time to lament. I'm going to wear appropriate clothing, and then I'm going to wail as a result. And so you go, whoa, that's, that's a lot. That's intense. Go to chapter 7. Uh, if we'll over a couple of chapters. We'll go to chapter seven, we'll pick it up in verse 28. Let me show you another example of how Jeremiah is teaching them how to lament. I love that sound, by the way. sound of pages turning. Therefore say to them, this is the nation that has not obeyed the Lord its God or responded to correction. Truth has perished. It has vanished from their lips. <laughs> Check this out. Cut off your hair and throw it away. Take up a lament on the barren heights, for the Lord has rejected and abandoned this generation that is under his wrath. Whoa, cut off your hair and throw it away. You know what this would do? This means you're not gonna like snap out of your lament tomorrow. Like you're still gonna be bald tomorrow. Like people are like, oh yeah, whew. That is like a, you're committing to a season of lamenting. That is, you know, we might go, hey, I'm gonna have a couple moments of it, but I'm gonna get right back to it. I'll get right back on that wagon. Not if you cut off all your hair. And if you cut off all your hair, it is like, oh, everybody knows something went down. You are lamenting something. Again, notice the extreme nature of this. For most of us, we'd be like, wow, that sounds pretty dramatic. And yet again, he's saying there should be an expression of your lament, not just a momentary thing, but you are fully committing to this process. And one more passage, go to chapter nine. I'm gonna show you in verse 19 one more example that I find personally uh, very convicting. Jeremiah 9, verse 19. The sound of wailing is heard from Zion. How ruined we are. How great is our shame. We must leave our land because our houses are in ruins. Now, you women, hear the word of the Lord. Open your ears to the words of his mouth. Catch this. Teach your daughters how to wail. Teach one another a lament. How many of you, if you're a parent, would say you have taught your children how to wail? Now, not like, hey, you broke my cheese in half, I'm mad. Like, hey, I'm gonna teach you how to deeply cry over the right things. How many of us would, would, would we say, and I, I, I grew up with amazing parents, but I don't think I, I learned how to wail as a child. I don't think I learned how to lament as a child. And I don't think I've done a good job teaching this to my kids. But I'm, I'm moved by a passage like this. Teach your children how to wail. Teach them how to lament. We can't teach our kids something we have not done ourselves. And yet there's something here I'm thinking, man, we are missing an aspect of what it means to fully experience God. See, tears, and clear our vision to see God. So, what do we have to lament for today? For processing what Jeremiah said, okay, all right, we're open to it. What kind of things should we lament? Well, let me give you a disclaimer. Not everything that makes you sad is worth lamenting, okay? Some of you are like pumped. You're like, yes, I got so many things, I already got my list going, I can't wait. Hold on. Not everything that makes you sad is worth lamenting. Let me give you some examples in my own life to help you kind of process this. The Boston Red Sox won the World Series last year. (laughs) Not cool, not cool. As a Yankee fan, this makes me deeply sad, okay? Here's the question, if I lament that, will I experience Jesus more deeply? I wish so, but no, I don't think it'll happen. Right? I don't think Jesus cares about the Yankees like I do, okay? I have to acknowledge that. So I could want to lament that, but it's not going to draw me closer to God. There's plenty of things you might want to lament, and you have to ask yourself the question, will this draw me closer to God? Does this break God's heart the way it breaks your heart? The answer is God is not, God is not moved the way I am when the Yankees lose, okay? He doesn't have the same response. But... What if I said, what are those things that are breaking God's heart? What are those things that when God watches, God is deeply moved, and what if I decided that I was going to be deeply moved by those things? What if I decided that I was going to lament those things as well? Now, as I was working on this message, I debated. Do I actually share things in my own life uh, that I lament? And and I, I, I debate it because the moment someone begins to open themselves up, there's an incredible vulnerability there. And someone else could say, I don't know why you're lamenting that, that is the way it should be, or any, any number of things. And so I debated this and I thought, you know what, it's much safer not to share that, but what the heck, life's short, let's go for it, okay? <laughs> so let me share something that I have been lamenting in my own life. I have been lamenting the fact that our country is built on racism. There is something so deep that I did not fully understand when I was a kid, and the older I get, the more Jesus is opening my eyes to some racist things that I have never seen before. The more Jesus is teaching me that because of the color of my skin, I have privileges and advantages that other people will never have in this country. Now, this is not a fun thing to stare at. This is not a fun thing to have that realization, but Jesus is meeting me in this lament. And this lament is drawing me closer to the heart of God. And God continues to shape me, to show me things, to make me uncomfortable and go, this is what you need to look at. And I can't move on to go, all right, here's how we solve it. I have acknowledged this is so far beyond me, but I keep asking the question, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? What do you asking me to do? What role can I play in this much bigger conversation? It is a lament that I think I am joining with God in something that is breaking his heart as well. Tears can clear our vision to see God. What are you lamenting that is breaking the heart of God? Now, let me get real practical as we wrap this up. Here's a question I wanna leave every single one of you with, that, that you would walk out of here today and process. The question is this, when was the last time you cried? Same question that, that my friend Carl asked these you know, leaders of Hezbollah, when is the last time you cried? Now, if you're a crier, you could have been like, well, it was this morning, at uh, breakfast, and you know, whatever. <laughs> but maybe you're like, I don't know. I couldn't tell you when the last time. And here's what I would tell you. If you can't even answer this question, I think you're missing a part of what it means to follow Jesus. I think your heart is too protected. It is too guarded. You, you have not allowed your heart to break. For things that are breaking god's heart and so i am not suggesting we should all be weeping every moment of every day but there should be things that we go you know what that's breaking god's heart and that's breaking my heart as well and i'm going to sit in that space so that i can see god more deeply now again at the risk of just being vulnerable let me give you my answer to this it was this week and ironically for a guy that would not consider himself a crier it was during a commercial. Now, I'm gonna share this and you can have your own opinion on it. There is a commercial uh, out right now made by Gillette the Razor that deals with toxic masculinity. I have read the reviews on it. People either hate this commercial or think it's amazing, okay, and so you might be on either one of those sides. Here's what I'll tell you, it made me cry. I watched it and could not help the emotions that this quick little minute and a half thing stirred up inside of me because as a dad, who's trying to raise four boys in a culture that has a lot of unhealthy things with men and women, I, I, I am deeply moved by this conversation. I think God is deeply moved by this conversation. And so I'm learning how to allow myself to feel what God is nudging inside of me, what God is doing inside of me. And here's the reality, it doesn't feel comfortable to me. It doesn't feel, you know, I wanna push that down and go, I, I don't feel that. But I'm trying to go, God, what is it that you're trying to show me? How can I see you in new ways if I would allow these tears to come? So what is it that you are lamenting about that is breaking the heart of God? And here's what I would tell you. What you choose to lament and what you choose to ignore says a lot about the condition of your heart. The things that you go, I'm not crying about that. I'm not bothered by that. And then next to you, Jesus is weeping. And you decide I'm not gonna join you in that. See, there's something, if you really wanna experience God, you have to realize that Jesus is weeping over many things that are going on in our world right now. And we have the opportunity to either join him or say, we won't allow that to be part of our experience. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You might go, I don't wanna be that, I don't wanna experience that, I don't want those tears. You want to be close to god ironically sometimes is when you might think he's so far away you might think god why have you not done more and in the midst of the tears you find that god is crying with you he's right there one theologian named christopher wright talks about the book of lamentations and he says this lamentations helps us face the world's suffering and weep over and protest it but it does so within the grand narrative of scripture with its redemptive center in the cross and the resurrection of Christ, and its glorious hope-filled climax in the new creation, in which all suffering, weeping, and death will be no more. See, as Christians, we lament with one hand, holding all those broken things of our world that are not the way they should be, and then the other hand with a, a, a grip on the cross to go, this is our hope, that one day, Jesus will make all things right. Jesus will restore things. Jesus will make things right. And so we hold both. We see the brokenness, we're there in the brokenness. We cry through the brokenness because it breaks God's heart. But we also know this is not a hopeless story. This is not a story of despair. This is a story about a God who will one day merge these two conversations and we will get to be a part of it here and now if we will meet him in the midst of our tears. So what we're going to do today is we're going to give you a little bit of space just to begin to try this out, to begin to feel. What does it feel like to approach God like this? I'm going to pray, and in just a moment, our ushers are going to come and and pass out communion. And uh, we're just going to give you some space. And I'm going to invite you, why don't you start thinking about those things that that are breaking God's heart, that maybe God's trying to break your heart onto. And it might not feel comfortable to you. You might go, I don't want to see it. I don't want to feel that. I want you to explore that space and go, what would you experience about God if you were willing to join him in this? And our band is going to lead us in a song that is incredibly powerful when it comes to lament. And I want you to just drink in these lyrics and go, what is God inviting us to experience? How could we see him if we allow these tears to clear our vision, to see God in new ways? Let's pray together. Jesus, would you meet us in the tears? Would you help us to slow down long enough to allow our heart to break for what breaks your heart? That we would not be so quick for a resolution, so quick to figure out what we can do that we miss joining you in this space of lament. Would you teach us how to do this. Show us the value of joining you in this space. God, we invite you to break our heart for what breaks yours. You would unsettle us, unnerve us, move us out of our comfort zones and that we could join you in crying. So Jesus, would you show up Even in those moments we feel like you may be far away, when it feels like the enemy may be winning, would you renew our sight, our experience with you, that we know how near you are as you join us in the tears. We pray in Jesus' name.